while you remain standing, if you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Ephesians. Head up towards Hebrews. You'll see the book of Ephesians before you get there. If you do not have a Bible, my folks look around. You see somebody doesn't have a Bible, share your Bible with them so that they'll be able to look on this. Okay, Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5, we'll start in verse number 21. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 21. I'll read out loud. If you'll follow along with me silently, we'll read this together. Ephesians 5 verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now this is the only verse most guys know. Anytime they don't know what to do, they go, this is what they refer to right here because they're stupid and have no idea what they're talking about. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might, there's no period there, that he, why would he do that? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. What he's saying is that's just a real smart thing to do. It's just a real smart thing. Now, I'm not preaching on husbands and wives tonight, but it appears as though I probably should. But I want to talk to you about the importance of the local church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Please help us. Please help us tonight. What a wonderful week you've allowed us to be a part of. Thank you, dear Lord, for those that have been saved, those that have been visited, those that have been won to Christ, the opportunities we have been afforded. And now you brought us back again tonight. Thank you for allowing us to do that. The privilege is ours. We do not have to go to church. We get to go to church. We do not have to serve you. We get to serve you. So, Father, I ask you to please meet with us tonight through your word. May we have a better understanding of what it is you try to teach us and why. And then help us to adjust our lives to what you want. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken hearts and minds. And every one of them will say, with no exception that they find, that, that Jesus never fails. Even in the days of old, he brought his people through and then he came to show his love when he died for me and you and then he rose again to prove that every story had been true that 
Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. Sometimes this world brings troubles that I find so hard to bear. I know I could not make it without Jesus being there. It's so encouraging to know, however deeper in despair, that Jesus never fails. So what can I do to prove to you? Tell me how can you deny? No untold facts, no mysteries. It's all so cut and dry. On the witness stand of your life, I'll be the first to testify that, that Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. You might well get thee behind me Satan you cannot prevail because Jesus never fails because Jesus never fails Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you very much. Well deserved. Appreciate all that. Amen. Amen. Somebody asked me one time, said, man, I like your church. That's something I don't understand. I said, what's that? Why is everybody staying clap for you? And I said, I'm not really sure. It's just something they started doing one day. And I'm not sure it's right. I said, can I ask you something? You ever go to a ball game? You stand up and clap for a bunch of heathen? Do you do that? Yeah, but preachers aren't supposed to be there. First of all, if I would have started it, it would be wrong. If your kids stood up and clapped for you, would that be okay, Dad? We have taken preachers and brought them down to a level that it doesn't matter what we think of them. I do not lift that up. But shame on us for bringing that down. To I'm not, I'm not for people calling preachers by their first name. Now we're doing it to Joe. You know Joe. You don't know Joe? 
Oh, I'm sorry, the President Joe. When did we start doing stuff like that? We have no respect. And when you bring anybody or anything down to common, then pretty soon we don't respect it. What we don't respect, we don't care about. We don't believe. We don't obey. So I think that's wrong. So anyway, that's what our church says. That's why we do that. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 21 through 27. I want you to notice the word, the two words, the church. And then you're going to notice the word it, which refers to the church. Listen to me carefully. A lot of people believe that there is a universal, invisible, we're all a part of the body of Christ church. There is no such thing. Well, you got real quiet. Well, I thought there was. That's because you don't read and study. Or you've been taught wrong. The local church is the body of Christ. It is the established, recognized, ready, visible place where the work of God is to be carried out of. Where do you carry out the invisible, universal church work? Yeah, better question. Where do you send your invisible tithe? How about the invisible people you win to Christ? Where do you send them? Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Amen. Very well. It's very important. All the, the local church is very important, but I have a question. Here's, let's bring it in a little bit. Why do I need church? Why do I need it? R.G. Lee, I don't know if you're familiar with that name, old southern preacher from years gone by, was a famous, probably the most famous sermon preached in modern day time, Payday Someday. And uh, he preached that message, very, very good message. He had preached one time and a man came in a little late. And uh, so he's standing in the back with the ushers and said, how long has he been preaching? And the usher said, about 47 years. He said, well, you think he'd be done by now, don't you? <laughs> Old-fashioned preachers tend to be long-winded. And I, I don't apologize for that. I was talking to Brother Cordry the other day, and he apologized to me. He said, preacher, I wasn't aware of the time. I think he went on to like 2.30 in the morning or something. <laughs> and uh, so when he got done, he looked at me and said, preacher, I wasn't even aware of the time. You listen to me well. Churches are changing that what church is all about is the music, the shouting, the healing, the whatever, and, oh, yeah, we've got, we got to put preaching in there somewhere. Can, can you just preach maybe 15 minutes? We don't want to run the crowd off. Listen to me. Church is about the Word of God. I'm not against the singing, not against the music, if it's what the Bible dictates it ought to be, but church is about the Word of God. We come here to learn so that we can carry out the word of God. So what we have here is this. A guy was walking down the aisle. I don't know if you've ever been to church. You've seen these little name plates at the end of the aisles? The, you ever seen those? And a guy came in and walked down the aisle, visitor. He didn't know any better. And he said, he kept looking at him as he went by, and he said, what are, what are those things there? What's those plates there for? He said, those are people who gave their lives in the service. He thought, oh, my goodness, what did I get myself into? Hopefully, we'll not be there that long tonight. So if you listen real quick, I'll try to preach real quick. In most churches, attendance is dropping off. It's dropping off. You've seen it. I just went down through Grove City the other day to pick up something, and there on a church sign, church service Sunday morning, 1030. That's it. And by the way, they haven't changed that sign in years. So it's not like they forgot. It's the same thing over and over again. Most denominations have cut back to one, maybe two services in an entire week. Many are, uh, are, are times we have heard people say this, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. 
You've heard people say that? You've heard people say, you probably heard that yesterday when you were out. And that's true. But to be saved without joining a local church is something like a student who won't go to school or a soldier that won't join the military or an explorer who has no base camp or a seaman that is without a ship and a crew or a football player that has no team or a scientist that does not share his findings or a bee that does not have a hive. Yes, you can be saved, but you cannot live the Christian life without being a part of a local church, a local, visible accountability. That's where I go. That's where we work for the Lord out of that church. Most of the New Testament was not written to individual Christians. It's written to churches. Let me prove my point in case you're taking notes, and you are. I like what you do. I didn't say I like you. I just said I like what you do. Now, in Romans chapter 16, verse number 1, he called, see, we have this, the church. That's what Catholics say. If you're not part of the Catholic church, as far as they're concerned, you're not going to heaven. You have no chance unless you're part of the church. And that's what Catholic means, universal. It's a universal church. We, I break the news to you. The sign out there didn't say Catholic, did it? Somebody change that sign out there. It says Baptist. We're a Baptist church. We, we were here and on the road serving the Lord long before Catholics ever thought about being here. But in Romans chapter number one, I'm uh, sorry, chapter number 16, verse number one, it says the church at Centuria. There's a place. There was a church at that place. In 1 Corinthians chapter number one and verse number two, and 2 Corinthians chapter one, verse number one, it talks about the church at Corinth. Corinth was a city. A church was there. It was a local church, a visible church, a physical church, and the Bible talks about that. 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 1, verse number 1, the church at Thessalonica. So it talks about a place and a church was there. A physical, visible place was there called the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 33, as in all the churches, not as in the church, universal, in all the churches, that one and that one and that one and that one and that one, that's what the Bible's talking about. Folks, you have to understand, if you're not careful, you start listening too much to the internet and people talking about things, they do not really understand what they're saying. So when you talk about the church, let people know you're talking about the local Anchor Baptist Church. We're not talking about the church universal. You're staring at me. Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, the churches of Asia salute you. Churches, not the church of Asia. Churches of Asia, a local place. I'm heading somewhere, listen to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. The churches of Macedonia. Macedonia was a region, was an area. And he said the churches, that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. He's talking about churches, individual churches, visible local churches. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 2. Unto the churches of Galata. That was an area also, and there were churches there. So he's writing to those churches where people go that are saved and know the Lord. The word church or churches is mentioned 117 times in the New Testament. Churches. Specific, that one, or that one, or that one, or those in that area, or those, but never is referred to as the church, meaning 
all of them combined in one. Not counting those words, but then assembly, assemblies, gather together, meet together. There are other things that would indicate a specific place, a specific place you go to. It's called the family of God. It's called where you have a pastor, a pastor. I know we're against authority nowadays, but like it or not, that's the way God set it up. So what happens here, the local New Testament church is of great importance. Why do I need church? It seems to be the thought of today, right? Why do I need church? I can take it or leave it. I do okay. It's not like I'm going to lose my salvation, you know. So why is it so important to me? First of all, number one, there must be a local emphasis, church, a local church. Now, Mrs. Bell's on vacation, and uh, she's, I guess, is vacation. She's with Miss Moore, so I'm not sure if that's vacation or not. But anyway, she's with them. Where's Dan? There's Dan. And uh, Dan and I are on vacation. Amen, Daniel. Uh, and so what you find out, now here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I'm going to try to show you in the Bible why I come up with this belief. I believe that everything in the believer's life should rotate, function, revolve, exist, start, stop, move. Nothing should be done without thought of your local church. Now, let me tell you where I get this principle, this idea. In the Old Testament, God came to Moses and said, you're going to build a tabernacle. And God told him how to build it, told him how to go about building it, what all was involved in building it. And what would happen here when he built that tabernacle, this was a place where God said, I will meet with my people, a specific place. And my people will meet with me, specific place. They didn't all go to their own tent and go, hey, you know, God's everywhere, so what makes a difference? The local church is very important, but why do I need the local church? When that pillar of fire, once that tabernacle was built, when that pillar of fire would move at night, they'd pack up everything and move with it. In other words, when God would move, they would move. Now, don't get all Pentecostal on me. Yeah, when God moved. No, he's talking about when God said, okay, it's time we go in a direction. It's time we go in a direction. When the pillar of cloud by day would stop, they'd all stop. If they stopped long enough, they'd erect the tabernacle, the tent, you know what I'm talking about, and in the middle of that, that cloud or the presence of God would move to the center of all the people. The tabernacle was the center of all of Israel and their people. Now follow my thinking here. All of them would gather and they all had an assigned place for their work and where they were supposed to be. On every side of that tabernacle, when it would move, there would be three tribes. be three tribes on the south, three tribes on the north, three tribes on the east, and three tribes on the west. And they all had their own location around that tabernacle. In the middle of that tabernacle was God himself. So everybody, if you had more work to do in that tabernacle, and there was always plenty to do, you somehow were closer to the work because you were involved. Go ahead, read, read about tabernacle all you want. I've studied it out many, many times. What you find out here, they could not move without God's perfect leading. And when God would stop, God would move himself. Instead of in that cloud of leading them, he would move to the center of that congregation and everybody would build around him and settle in around that tabernacle. Now listen to me very carefully. With all this going on, we find out here that when it stopped long enough to erect the tabernacle, everybody would stop. Those who had more work to do 
ended up closer to the tabernacle until finally it got to the place that Moses and Aaron was right at the front door of the tabernacle. See, it sounds kind of like the New Testament church supposed to do something like this. Now, maybe it's just me. We should not move without God's perfect leading. I've had it clear up to here with people going, I know the Bible said that, but the Spirit led me to. You're lying. You've been deceived. Holy Spirit does not do that. The Holy Spirit never disagrees with the Bible. Why do I say that? Because he's the author of the book. So if you're doing something outside this book or you're doing something contrary to this book, something is wrong with you. I was talking to a guy the other day talking about dreams and visions. And I said, I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit told me. I said, that's not the point. How can I prove what you just said? You'll have to trust me. Uh, <laughs> call me skeptical, bad brother not. I'll trust God. But you're a human being. You're liable to do some things that you just, sometimes your emotion makes you think. God is talking to me with such an ecstasy and I was in so much, maybe you're just having a real exciting time. If it's not in the word of God, something's wrong with your interpretation of what's going on. Some people have no real plans of getting, getting involved in church. They just don't. You know why? Because of where they move to or where they stay at, we're not going to get involved. I've had people tell me, preacher, we're only moving uh, 600 miles away. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I can be there in like three days. Not a big deal. I'm exaggerating, of course. Okay. Now, I think you probably live the farthest away from anybody here. I think. You live south of Canal Winchester? Yeah. And uh, so, now watch this very carefully. He hasn't missed, I don't think, except for work forcing him, he's got a new job, uh, to be here at church. Now, just think, though, like some of you found out, I've got to take my kids there every day for school. It's no big deal, preacher, 20 minutes. Not a big deal. You mean 20 minutes over here in the morning? Oh, and 20 minutes back after you drop them off. Oh, oh, then you got to yeah, you got to come pick them up. That's another 20 minutes. Then you pick them up, and then it's 20 minutes back home. You just wasted about an hour and a half already in your day, not counting fuel and everything else. And Lord forbid, should there be a red light, now you're going to be late. Because <laughs> you know how Baptists are. We're almost late all the time anyway. Tamika just pointed to you. The tabernacle and all of the tribes, all of the children of Israel had their place that they were to work from. All of them did that. Three tribes on each side. And God was in the middle of all of that. Now watch this carefully. The farther, go ahead and read it. The farther you get away from the tabernacle, the less people were involved. Until what followed them, the Bible said, was a mixed multitude. These are people who did what they wanted to do. They probably, some of them weren't even saved. They came out of Egypt because they wanted to get away from there, and they weren't a part of the children of it, like in a local church. There are people in any given local church that's not born again, they're not children of God, and they're following the crowd because of the blessings. They just like being there. Man, this is a great place. I like being here. They're not even saved. The Bible calls them a mixed multitude. They were not just Jewish, but they followed the crowd to do that until there was this mixed multitude. I believe the local church should have first consideration before you decide anything. Yeah. Yeah. The 
local church should have first consideration before you decide, before you consider moving. Have you earnestly prayed for what God may want or you just found a good deal? Silly of me to bring up stuff like this. His leading, are you following his leading and not just something you've always kind of wanted? Here's our reason. What's wrong with it? First of all, I'm not God's counselor. So why do we go to the Lord and tell him we'll argue our point? God, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, just think what I'll be able to do for you. And we're going to, we think we're going to talk God into what we've already decided to do. How will this affect your church? How will it affect your church? Okay, you ready for this? You pull out of school. You decide not to tithe. You decide all these things on a financial level or a labor level. And the Lord said, if you lack labors, pray for the Lord of the harvest that he send labors into my vineyard. Now, why would we have to pray for that? Because we have enough people, but not everybody's involved. And the reason I know that is some keep moving farther and farther away. You don't call. You don't tell anybody where you're at. And then when we call and ask, you go like this. What, what do you think I was doing? I really have no idea. That's not my fault. That's your fault. Somebody ought to keep in touch with going. And the first thing you ought to consider before you do anything, a job, get married. Just thought I'd bring that up. Before you do anything should be, how is this going to affect my local church where God has put me? How will it affect your church? What about the bus route you were on? Well, preacher, we moved now and I'm not able to. You never even thought about the bus route, did you? You thought about yourself. Now, Mrs. Bell and I, when we started this church here, we lived down on Belvedere, which was way too far away. You know where Belvedere is? Down there off of Mound Street, across from that elementary school. That's where we lived, down there on Belvedere. And then uh, we got a home. Let's see, where did we go after that? It may have been Bell. If she was here, she'd be like, no, that's not true. Uh, we went over here to Cherry Creek. Now, Cherry Creek's only about, what, two, maybe three miles. I don't even think it's three miles away from here, right? And we lived there. And then we moved uh, to, where did we go from there? Where? Oh, that's right, across from there. And we lived there for nine and a half years. Now we were only a mile from church. So we tell people, yeah, I moved to Columbus. I don't mean inner city Columbus. You have to live down there to be right with God. Nobody in their right mind will live downtown. So then my wife, we moved from there, and she said, honey, I found a house. Well, actually, Mrs. Morris did. I found a house. And it's a new bill. I said, well, we can't afford a new bill. Well, just go out and look at it. Go out and look at it. We kept driving and driving and driving and driving and driving. And I, on the way down there, I said, honey, I don't know where this house is. This is way too far. You know what she said? Honey, it's two miles from church. From our driveway to where you park is two miles. Well, that doubled my distance. I was one mile away. Now I'm two miles away. I'm moving farther from church all the time. My point in that was I considered what that may affect. You say, well, you're the preacher. You're a Christian, and you go here also. You'll find out you and your family need a good, solid local church as the center of your life more than you need your dreams fulfilled. That once-in-a-lifetime job, you know where that's at, right? It's in California. I was asked to move. You're thinking of the wrong person. You're talking about me. Oh, boy, I hope he's not watching. Listen to me. I could have gone to El Segundo, California, and worked on the stealth bomber and the fighter out there. Dream 
I work for Rockwall here. The headhunters, you know who those are, anybody? They call into businesses and say, we'd like you to come. And, and uh, they wanted me to come work with them just because of the way I look. They thought, wow, we need that guy. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. And so what happened was I could have done that. Even when I went to Rockwell, my first concern was my church. I was a bus captain. I led the choir. I, I, I sang in a group. I, I worked with the teenagers. I mean, I had a lot going on. If I get this job, what does this mean for me? Do you, do you think that way? Why don't you think that? My point is not do you. Why don't you? Why don't you consider your local church? We first got started. This is in the storefront. There was a family there by the name of, I'm not going to tell you, and uh, uh, I got a call from way up north and said, hey, we got a family moving to your area. I'd like you to go visit them. I said, okay. So my wife and I got in the car. We zipped over to just off of Georgesville here, knocked on the door. Very nice people invited us in. Older people, probably two or three years older than me. Real old folks. And uh, we went in there and talked to them. Nice people, nice people. You won't believe this. I had the privilege that day of winning him to Christ. And she got saved too. And they had moved down from, I think it was up around Elyria somewhere, working for General Motors. And when they worked for General Motors, General Motors were closing down up there, but there used to be a big plant around the corner here off of Georgeville Road. Now it's the casino. Maybe get a job there. And uh, so they came down here, and he, I said this, what are you doing down here? He said, well, I'm getting ready to retire. He said, so I just need to put in about another year or so, and I'm done. And I said, oh, that's great. What, what, what are you going to do after that? Now here this guy's coming to church. He got soul winning with me. He started tithing before they joined. Just in case you didn't take a note on that one, did you? He started tithing and giving before they were even members of our church. He started tithing and giving even before they say, now I got you out. Write that down. Write that down. There you go. And, uh, but listen, so now watch. He's getting closer and closer to retirement. And I said, uh, so what are you going to do when you try? I'm going to move to Kentucky. Watch it. Watch the reasoning here. My mom lives down there. Watch. Ready? It's always been my dream to live close to my mom and build our own home. Silly me. What about where God put you? Boy, this is like pulling teeth, isn't it? Yeah, but it's my dream. I'm sorry. Without Christ, you don't have any dreams. So I asked my, and they reassured me, preacher, it's all said and done. I mean, I'm sure we'll move to Kentucky. There are lots of churches down there. You just put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Make sure I said that right. Okay. You know what you did? You said, I'm going to go do all of this, and then we'll tack on Jesus once we get down there. Now, if this is of the Lord, how come you didn't have a good fundamental independent Baptist church all ready to go to before... You talk God into your dreams. So here's what happened. They got down and nice people, nice people. Actually, it wasn't long ago, a couple of years back, they still called. I mean, they were great people, just absolutely great people. And so they would call when they moved down there and they would call back at first almost weekly. Preacher, you won't believe it. We went to this church the other day. You talk about a joke. And I mean, they just went on and on and on. But that's okay. We're going to go to this other church next week and see what that's like. Several years went by. And you know what they kept saying? We can't find a church like Anchor. 
Now, first of all, I'm not proud of that, but I know what we have here. Please understand, God has a place specifically for you in a local church. This is not hop, skip, and jump anytime I want to because I don't like something that goes on there. Where God put you is where God's trying to raise you and, and help you understand. So they built a home. They moved down there, and every time they turned around, they weren't complaining. They were simply saying, we can't find a church because they went about it backward. Folks come in here, and they get saved. A lot of times they won't have a job. Maybe they're not married. Kids are all gone to pot. I don't mean. Well, maybe they are. Who knows? And uh, they'll come here. Life's a mess. And all of a sudden, they get saved and they give in to the Lord. They start coming regularly. They get involved as much as they can. They start learning some Bible. And you won't believe what happened. They got a job. Praise the Lord. Got a job. Man, they love the Lord. They start giving. They're going soul winning. They're teaching Sunday school. They're having the time of their life. Then something happened. Preacher, got the job of a lifetime. You won't believe it. Praise the Lord. I got this wonderful job. You won't believe how it's going to benefit me. And I know what you meant by that. You meant that in the right way. You really did. So God gives you this great job and you start going that direction and you get this better offer and the next thing you know, you have to be willing to travel. Well, you have to be willing to work some Sundays. Well, you have to be willing. Now, you can't always do what you want. This is this is your life. You know, this job is your life. You fell for that, didn't you? You actually fell for the job is your life. The job is not my life. The job is a job. This is my life. Christ, Christ is my life. And you cannot serve God the way he intended without you being plugged in to a local visible church. He didn't ask the preacher. Most people come in and they tell me what they're getting ready to do and ask if it's okay. <laughs> Preacher, by the way, getting ready to retire, going to build a house, living next to mom, my dream. We've already got it moved. Matter of fact, a van's out there in the, in the, in the parking lot now and just want to know what you think about this. No. <laughs> what do you want me to say? You know what I say? I understand. When you hear me say I understand, What I mean by that is, yeah, I understand. What I really mean is, I know how dumb you are. I understand. I know you didn't ask God. I know you probably didn't discuss it with your wife or your husband. I know you didn't come and talk to me. You come in to tell me. And then when it doesn't work out right, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, I just want to know something. If God's this powerful, why doesn't he do this, and why doesn't he do that, and why doesn't he do this? And I said, why are you blaming God for what the world, the flesh, and the devil did. We always blame God. Now, when things don't work out to your perfect plan, most of us end up blaming God. We'll go to him and ask him to bail us out over the weekend. And if he doesn't, then we blame God for not jumping in and helping straighten out the mess. You see, then we become a part of the mixed multitude that just follows the church. When one time you got saved and said, man, this is great, can I get involved? Can, can, can I clean toilets? Preach, that'd be great if I could clean toilet. That'd, that'd be wonderful. Now, all of a sudden, you're making money. By the way, I'm all for it. As long as money's not making you. Now, not a, it never will. Not a one of us in here. It'll never make us. Not us. Those heathen out there, it, it has an effect on them, but not us. We're Christians. I left Rockwell and they patronized me to no end. I was making 
50 plus thousand dollars over 40 some years ago. All benefits paid. Future. Had it all. For the first time in our life, we are poor as church mice, whatever that means. I'm not sure what that means. And uh, then all of a sudden I get this God, I can't explain this part, called me to go off to college. I didn't want to go. I liked the church I was in, that great church I was going to, making good money, kids, all their friends were there, all of our friends were there, everything was great. Why do I want to move? By the way, if you keep searching to move, something's wrong with you. Normally when God calls a guy away, it's when he doesn't want to move, he's settled and I'm good to go. I'm making the most money I ever had in my life. And God said, I want you to go to college. I went from making that and going there with a future to laying carpet for 60 cents a yard. Went from there while I was doing that, working in a, a grocery warehouse, picking groceries, if you've ever done that. That is a tough job. And I was doing that while I was going to school full-time. My wife was going to school full-time. All my kids were in Christian school. He said, how would you pay for everything? I have no idea. But I will tell you this. When you give things up for God, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But you're going to find out you'll be your happiest and you will make ends meet. You may not be able to buy and do everything your dreams are, but you'll make ends meet and it'll be okay. We ate. Now, a lot of times just biscuit and potatoes. I'm not that fond of potatoes. You look like I just shot you. Oh, preacher, say it's not so. I don't eat green stuff, yellow stuff. I just don't do it. My wife actually told me, she said, honey, when you go home, if you don't want chicken. Now, Miss, Miss Morris was texting for her. Here's what she said. You can get out white bread, cheese, bologna, cheese, bologna, cheese with head lettuce with a glass of ice cold milk and some potato chips. I typed back and said, it's banquet time. <laughs> it's amazing what you could actually give it. We just don't want to. We don't want to get by with stuff. We want to have it all. Now in the Bible, no, nowhere in the Bible does God bless anyone who moved for money or material things. Okay, prove my point. Uh, first of all, if you have a principle or a truth or commandment, you should be able to show it in the Bible. You remember um, um, Elimelech? And you remember his wife, Naomi? You know why they moved, right? Things getting a little tough here where God put them, the place of bread where God's children were. Things got a little tough. We better bail out and go over to Moab, which God said had nothing to do with those people. You get it through your head. The world is not your friend. It's kind of like the government. The only reason we're giving you stuff is so we can hold it against you later and use you. You say, why would you say it? Because God said it. The world is not your friend. They're not doing things for you because they love you and your Christ. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? So what happens? The local church is more important than the material things and the money that you make. Look, no place in the Bible did the disciples or anybody go after rich people to save them. They went after the poor. Which according to our parking lot, we don't have any of those people anymore. Man, do you see those cars out there anymore? People running around in Lexus and, and Infinities. I don't know who has those. And, and people running around in, in uh, I'll say Opals. I know, what do you call it? Um, Audis. Opals. What's an Opal? Uh, you ladies know what an Opal is, right? 
And so they're running. I can't even recognize partly. This must be a rich church. No, it's a church that's in debt. what it is. Anyway, <laughs> Christians should not relocate, get closer to family, nothing, without getting clear leading clear leading from God. Not your dreams, not your hope, but what God really wants in your life. How do you go about doing that? First of all, the word of God. If this is of God, in there somewhere, there should be a command, a story, illustration, or a principle, and you'll say, that's why I believe it's right. Naomi and her husband went down to Moab. By the way, he died. She lost both her boys, lost a daughter-in-law, came back broke, so bitter Ended up back where she left. Can I tell you the preachers that I know that left their church because of trouble or heartache and went all the way around the United States and ended right back up where they were except they were no longer the pastor of the church. Hard times doesn't mean it's time to change direction. Hard times most of the time is just you need to get closer to God and trust him. It's a learned behavior. That's what you got to do. Look, you're not going to stay at a church for 34 years. And everything go your way. You thought all this, okay, here's what you do. Man, they laugh and they give him gifts and stuff. Boy, I'd like to be the preacher. Piece of cake. Anybody can do it. So then, God's word. Next, Holy Spirit. Look, you have the spirit of God inside of you. I'm going to say it again. He will never disagree from what's in this book. Never. And then also, I think maybe you ought to consider your own man of God. God didn't give me, neither did T.D. Jakes. He's not America's pastor. I'd shoot myself first. God allowed me to be the pastor of this local church. God holds me responsible for the people he gave me at this local church. He did not make me responsible for all the Christians in the invisible church of the world. He didn't do that. When you got up here to sing tonight, you weren't singing to all the people around the world. You are singing to this church. This is what we're supposed to be doing right here. So then, God's own man. Quit quit asking me and then call one of your college friends. You know, we got this preacher. I love the guy to death. Oh, I just love him. Oh, great guy. You're getting ready to stab me. That's what you're doing. And so what you do, you call him. See, I know a guy in the Bible. What was that guy's name today? I'm sorry? Hmm. Ray of what? Bum? Oh, boom. Okay. Ray of boom. You know what he did? He sidestepped the advice of the old men that had wisdom and knowledge and experience. Oh, he hear, he heard them. He heard them. And then he went to his college Bible study buddies. Hey, look, we went to the same school, and I know you've been reading the same books. What do you think about, what do you think they're going to say? How many shepherds does a flock have? then why, when you don't get the answer you want from me, you go ask everybody else? There's enough people on any different level to give you... They could tell you... You want to know something? They'll side with you. There's somebody out there that will side with you when I don't. You say, you just want everybody to stay here. That's not true. There's some people I've been praying you'd be leaving for a long time. No, I'm just kidding. 
why do I need church? The Apostle Paul taught being saved by Jesus Christ was the beginning of Christianity. And after a person is saved, you need to be grounded, you need to grow, and you need to settle in Christ. And this is the local body of Christ. This is where it takes place. This is called the house of God. We're called brothers and sisters, the children of God. I'm called the man of God. This is called the word of God. Get it? Are you following the thinking right now? It's like a family. So what do we have today? We have children just packing it up and moving away from home. First of all, if you're going to rebel, I'm all for it. Leave. I told somebody the other day, said, preach, that's awful hard. I know. I'm not telling you something I don't know anything about. I wish I could tell you I don't know what it's like, but I do. I have packed a child's bag with tears running down my face, set it in front of him, said, you're going to make a decision right now. You're either going to go along with what we do in this house or you're going out, and I'm not going to let you back in. You say, you're hardened at heart. No, what? My heart was breaking. It's not what I wanted to do. It's what I thought needed to be done. Now, what you're concerned about was the outcome. That person broke and stayed. It doesn't always work that way. So then you got another decision to make, don't you? What do I do now? I don't think God ever wants you to do that to your children. You don't know God. You've been reading through your Bible. You've been reading in in, uh, Jeremiah, right? You read about what he said about the children of Israel, his own children. After believing the gospel, the unsaved person needs to be grounded. He needs to grow and he needs to be settled. Paul gave his life and suffered great trials to establish local churches throughout the New Testament time. The local church is important. But my point is, why do I need the local New Testament church? Why do I need that? Number one, to identify with Christ. How do you identify with Christ? Let me see. You carry your phone as a Bible, so nobody can recognize that. You dress like everybody else, so nobody's ever going to recognize that. You listen to the same thing. You drink the same thing. You talk the same way. So nobody's really going to identify you with that. And that's what we're hoping. Nobody will get mad at me or upset with me because I'm different than them. When I get ready to go to church on a Sunday morning like this, I'm not getting ready to go play tennis. I know, you thought I was born with a suit on, but it didn't happen. I am not ready go, getting ready to go to the bowling alley. My neighbors would look out and go, Edith, there goes George again. Is he getting ready to go to church again? Why would you say that, Edith? Well, look at him. You look at some people going to church, you don't know if they're going fishing. You don't know what they're getting ready to do. I'd like to see you like this in a boat going fishing. No, it's kind of like Sunday morning. He's got a suit on and a tie, and he's carrying some black book with him. Man, wonder where he could be going. See, I identify with the local church, and a lot of people don't like that idea anymore. So you want to do that. Any honest person, saved or unsaved, will will, will admit Christians should attend church. They will tell you that. Only backslidden Christians will tell you you don't have to go to church all the time. Lost people will tell you, you're a Christian, aren't you supposed to be in church? They'll tell you right off the bat. If Christ, Paul, and others gave their life to establish the local churches, shouldn't we? These men did, Jesus did, Paul did, Peter did. Shouldn't we do the same thing? Shouldn't we be helping establish a local church? Paul went from city to city to establish churches. Then he placed pastors in those churches. You know what he told them? 
Preach the word. And you're going to like this next part because God is just love. He told preachers, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. 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 Not what's going on today. Doctrine. What God wants. Quit looking at the clock. That's another 20 minutes I have to preach. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 2. Christians need to be preached to and taught by their pastor who cares for them and knows them. You read Hebrews chapter number 13 and you'll see that in there. You need a local church. You need a local church. You need, you need to identify yourself with the labor, the giving, the suffering, the growing, the fellowship, and the stigma that comes along with a New Testament church. Make it the center of your life. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. I'm just quoting Bible right now in case you want to know. Don't tell me you love Christ and hate his soon-to-be bride, which is the church. How can you say, I don't care if I show up there or not, it doesn't make any difference to me, I can be a Christian anywhere. And Jesus gave his life to establish the local church. How's that possible? In days gone by, people chose a church based upon doctrine. If it wasn't for Miss Emma, and I think one other person that may be in here, in all these over 30-some years, 34-plus years, I'll bet there hasn't been this many people that said, before I come to your church, what is your doctrinal statement? They'll drive by and I say, what brought you here? Oh, we looked and thought, well, that looks like a good church. You mean the buildings? You do know buildings don't make the church. People make the church. And just people gathering together means it's just a gathering. If they're not going along with God's word, you're not a church. And you have to have a pastor in order to do that. This is why there are only three good Bible reasons to ever leave a church. Now this ought to interest you. In case you're thinking about leaving. And I understand. Number one, they're preaching false doctrine. Provable. By Bible. Not, well, I wasn't taught that. That doesn't mean it was Bible. Nobody's ever left this church in over 34 years and said, you're preaching false doctrine. Never. You know why? Because I don't. If it's something that I prefer or I like, I'll tell you. Now, look, folks, I may not be able to prove this by, but this is what I've always done or this is what I believe. I will never tell you it's Bible if I cannot show you and prove it in the Bible. First of all, preaching false doctrine, provable by obvious scripture. Number two, immorality in leadership and nothing being done about it. You know, preachers need forgiveness too. Just like your kids. Your kids get into trouble. Oh, I hope the church will forgive him. How about a preacher? He ought to know better. He's a human being. If it cannot be resolved in a Bible fashion and he yield to that, you need to get rid of him. If they can't get rid of him, you need to go somewhere else. Number three, knowing full well it is God that's leading you to a higher and greater place of service. God never leads his children downward to do less. God always leads across and up, always. So the place you're going to, the place you think you need to go to, is it of the Lord? 
a greater work. Why do I need church? Number one, to identify with Christ. Number two, for unity among the saints. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. We're almost there anyway. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Part of the job of a local preacher is pretty weighty. And God holds me responsible for you according to his word. Watch what it says here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for or because, here's the reason he gave them, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long is he going to have to do this? Till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature and fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and the slight, and, and the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint, that would be all of us, supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. My job is to help us do that. Amen. You won't believe this. I'm a gift from God to you. Amen. That's what the Bible says. And by the way, these are beautiful feet. The Bible, Bible, Bible said, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. I have beautiful feet. You don't, but I have beautiful feet. So, who is going to help us perform Ephesians chapter number four? Preacher. That's what he said. He gave some and he names them. In this church, I'm the preacher. Look, I have a title in the Bible called bishop, but I don't like that title. I don't like the title minister. Do not call me a reverend. In the Bible, there's only one person referred to as reverend, and that's God Almighty. I would prefer that not to happen. And so what you have here, you call, where is this going to take place? The preacher, where? The local church. Harmony or unity among Christians would be impossible if there was no local church. Think about it. All the work is focused from the local church. Missions come from the local church. Schools, the local church. Camps from the local church. Religious periodicals from the local church. The winning of the lost from the local church. Meeting social needs from the local church. God designed it that all work came from, not into, from the local church. God designed it that way. Yet today we are mutilating the body of Christ. Well, we're going to do this. And well, I think I can do this. And well, I'm going to do this. And nobody's minding the head anymore. And what we're doing, we're so now we have big brothers, big sisters. No, I'm sorry, that's for older Christians to do. Well, now we're going to help feed and take care of the poor. I'm sorry, that's what the local church helps do. So the, our government at one time, I think it was under George Bush, wanted to start these programs and take all this responsibility from the church. But they found out something. Churches do more socially than our government could handle. So they backed away. But they're not going to leave it that way. I'm just telling you ahead of time. So all these things, all other ministries would fail if it were, no, were not for any local church. Your missionaries' money comes from the local church. 
Why is it when people need something, I don't believe in the local church, till you need a refrigerator or food or gas for your car? And guess where you go? Is the preacher in? First thing they say, and I tell these guys, tell them, no, no, I'm broke. Tell them go away. Number three, for protection. I got to hurry. I'll never get through all this, but we're going to try. For protection in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Am I on? Did this go off? Are you asleep? You're laying down up there. Stand up. Stand up. Oh, you both are standing up. Never mind. (laughs) Ephesians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Drop down to chapter 5. Look at verse number 27. Verse number 27. Uh, Yeah, 527. There we go. That he might present it to himself. Talking about the local church. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We are bringing unholy stuff. We so-called churches, are bringing unholy stuff into the church, thinking if we have great crowds, God's pleased with us. The Bible teaches me to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Beauty. There's something God says is beautiful about purity, about cleanliness, about giving way to the Lord. There's something that God just says, I love that. I just love that. So you know what we've done? In order to get the lost world into look at me and listen to me. Most people don't teach this because they don't know their Bible. Preachers, I'm not sure if they know why they're supposed to be in their areas. We are not supposed to fit in the community. We're supposed to get the community saved and get them ready to get out of here. You understand? So what happens is we decided to open our doors and tell lost people of anything they're doing Everybody's welcome here no matter what you do or what you are. Tell you what I'll do. I'll accept you where you are, but I'm not going to accept what you are because you're a sinner without Christ. And with Christ, once you get saved, you've got to get out of Egypt and go out there and worship the Lord. Three days journey from here and quit compromising about that. But we've decided to let the world come. Look, folks, there's nothing wrong with a ship being in the ocean, but there's everything wrong with the ocean being in the ship. It's not it's backward. Not supposed to be that way. So what do we have here? The protection. God has promised to always protect and provide for his church. When this church decides to quit minding God, oh, the buildings will still be here. But God's going to get some fiery young preacher somewhere to start in a storefront someplace, and he's going to start again, and everybody that may have thought about coming this way is going to go that way. See, there's something about a fire that just attracts people. They just want to come and watch it burn. You're standing in front of a bonfire. You don't do nothing. You're standing good. Look here. That's all you do. You're not doing anything. You're standing there for hours. It's like being in an ocean. You know what that tide does? Goes out, comes in. Goes out, comes in. Goes out. And you sit there on the beach until you look like a lobster. Just watching the tide go out and come in. Go out and come in. But a fire... Fire attracts people. They want to come and see what, what's burning. A local church is to be a fire. It is supposed to set itself on fire. The preacher is too. We've calmed preachers down. You know, I don't like people who yell and scream. Watch how concerned I'm about that. I don't care. 
I'm not a teacher, preacher, never claimed to be. Amen. Never, never claimed, didn't start that way, not going to end up that way, I hope. Amen. Look, I think I know how to teach some. But teaching, see, we love knowledge. We love knowledge. Teaching can reach the intellect. Oh, I like that. That's a good point. I'll be able to argue with the people down on the job with that. But it didn't do anything for you. Preaching demands a decision. Preaching causes conviction. Is he talking to me? Yes. Yes, I am. I don't even know you. I'm talking to you. Why? Because God's word will not go out till it accomplishes what it's supposed to. So what do we have here? I know many people out of church living lives, falling away, and then they come back to church. By the way, glad to have you. You just wasted. I ran into a guy just yesterday. He said, Preacher, you remember me? No. He said, uh, I used to come to church when I was a little kid, rode your bus. That had to be 15, 20 years ago. He said, well, he's trying to get right with God. You lost 20 years. You cannot. You know, you can, you can lose money and might make it up. You can lose a house and maybe get another one. You can lose a lot of things or misplay and maybe find others. Time, you cannot. Once time is gone, it is gone. Those of you that are struggling to just continue on to do what's right all the time, it's like you're on a treadmill, like a little gerbil, you know, one of those things that go around and around like that all the time. Is this all I'm ever going to do? You mean live for the Lord, go to a local church, tell people about Christ, teach children about the Lord, keep your family. You mean that's all? That's all? Yeah, it's kind of boring, isn't it? I'll tell you how you can make it exciting. Go live for the devil, lose it all, and do like that fellow I was talking to this week that can't hardly look at me without crying and say, I lost it all. I used to go to church and I lost it all. I got a little bored with what was going on there. God protects and provides for those in his church. If the church is this important, it must have loyal, faithful members. It has to. You should look for ways to be here more often. Uh, Really, the whole excuse-making thing really needs to stop. I know you don't believe this. I've quit two jobs because they told me I need to work on Sunday. I had four kids. You said, you're fanatical. Trying to be. Totally sold out. I walked off of a job because of somebody flirting with me, which I understood, but I still didn't make it right. And the guy said, where are you going? I said, I can't work here anymore. They've got you so hooked on your future retirement that you'll fall into sin and walk away from God before you give that up. But what are you going to do without this job? Live for the Lord, find another one. Don't take what God has given us here and anchor for granted. Don't ever come to church without coming as though it were your first time. I still do it. Folks, look, I started this whole thing. Well, God did. Uh, He said, you want to join me? I said, yeah, okay. So there we go. And I walk on this property. As soon as I start driving down the street, I can't wait to see Anchor. I just want to look at the buildings. I want to see the property. I want to know what's going on. I want to be a part of everything. I still walk in this building and go like this. Man, this is pretty. I walk down the hallway and see our missionary board, which most of you don't even look at anymore. 
We got people from other churches that said, can you send me pictures of your missionary board? That's a great thing you got over there. We go by like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's in the hallway, if I'm not mistaken. You go down the hallway over here of this huge campus. This isn't a campus. This is church. It's not a campus. It's church. It's not a campus. It's church. It's church. You know, old-fashioned name, church. There's no campus in the Bible. It's church. This is God's place, church. You can't even say church, can you? You can't say it. It's church. I got saved in a church. I was taught in a church. I got baptized in a church. I had a preacher who ran the local church. Church is very important. And this is why it's important to me. The local church is the only institute. If you stay long enough, it will take you from birth to the grave. Jordan's sitting back here. Now he got his kids sitting here. Well, they're trying to sit here. I was talking about Jordan. Jordan was born here. I was, here, I was there the night his mommy gave birth to him. Now, I'm hoping not to stick around until you're 80 or 90. If I am, all through this time, I will be there. Hospital, birth, troubles, heartaches. I'm still here 34 years later. Where have you been? Where did they go? God placed you here for a reason because God knew you needed what he put in me for you. You need to approach this at the best time of your life. Now, I have to admit, we get a little goofy. We, we do, we do. Last week when he first showed up, I mean, he's clapping and carrying on, just looking around like, I don't know why we're doing this, but it's a lot of fun. I told his daddy, I said, your son, I, I like him. He's down here front. He doesn't even know why. He's doing it. Yeah, it's great. And I thought about it later on. I thought, Lord, if we ever do things that really shouldn't be done, you let me know, I'll stop. But you see, I don't really have a family outside here. My mom's in heaven. My dad's in heaven. Several of my sisters are in heaven. The rest of them, I'm not sure where they're at. My sister here, Pete, she's here. This is, what, this is my family. This is what God asked me to do. Why would I not want to give my life to you? Give it to a job. You ever notice how we talk about fanatics? Eh, fanatic, you think you need to be there all the time. Oh, you mean like you're doing your job? That's a cult. Your job's a cult. They're making you do things you really don't want to do, but you have no choice. That's a cult. They tell you, I can't work something. Yes, you will. And you go, okay, that's a cult. They're making you do things that you shouldn't have to do, but you don't know what else to do because they told you to do it, so you do it. That's a cult. Why are we a cult and they're not a cult? Hmm. Well, that's a good point, preacher. I, I thought it was. The best restaurant in the world will never survive unless people go there. I don't care who the chef is. You heard that, didn't you, Ben? I don't care who the chef is. If people don't go there, it's no good. Anchor Baptist Church should be the center of your life. It should receive first consideration of everything. Everything. 
the bride of Christ is the local church. He said, I'm going to go away, so he gave us a pastor. Whether I think I earn or not is beside the point. I'm all you got right now. And I have to answer for that. You mean tell me, let me get this straight. I'm supposed to answer for all the Christians in the world? No. This local church, you're the flock God gave me. And that's why it's very important to me to not tell you just what I believe. And that's why I'm not real fond of you just telling me how you feel about things. I'll listen to you and I'll be like, yeah, I understand. I understand you don't know your Bible very well. I'm not trying to be smart. You just don't or you'd agree with me. Our conversation should revolve around this place. Your best friend should be in this place. Your best friend should be here. All, all my friends are here. I don't have any friends outside here. I really, honestly, I don't. Don't feel bad for me, buddy. Oh, poor thing. No, I, I prefer it this way. I like it this way. Now, I wish my family were here. I wish your family were here. But if they're not, I have brothers and sisters. I have some of the ladies, I was telling somebody the other day, they'll go back, preacher, your, your ties are crooked. Like they're my mom. But preacher, your, your ankle's crooked. They'll look at me and go, oh, okay, all right, I'll straighten it up. Like it's my mom. You know what God said? No man hath left. Father, ready for this? Mother, not done. Wife, sons and daughters, houses and lands that have not received in this life and the life to come a hundredfold. And I thought, I don't get it. I don't understand what that is. I don't have a mom. My dad's gone. Don't know where half of my sisters are. Don't know what's going on with my brother. God, how can that be? Until one day, preacher, your ties crooked. And I thought, you're like my mom. Do you know how I learned about manhood from men in a church? I didn't know how to tie a tie. I always wore sandals and shorts. I got saved, had to learn how to, fellas, how to properly wear a tie where it doesn't choke you. You know, what's the matter with you? Learn how to dress. Look at these guys. Yeah, never mind. That's how I, yeah, look at these fellas down here. Sharp, sharp, sharp. Get them to learn how to comb their hair. You guys will be there. Right. Everything I learned from that book and men in the church, how to work, how to be on time, how to give yourself to other people, how to witness, how to do all this. I learned from men in the church. God supplied brothers and sisters for you. Quit feeling so sorry for yourself. Okay, it may not be the way that, that God originally planned, but look, God made up for it. God said, I can give you this. So what's going on? Why do I need church? To identify myself with Christ, to harm, to be in harmony, unity with the saints, and for God's provision and protection. You know what David said? I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Oh, again, weren't we just there Sunday morning? You'll prepare, pack lunches for all week to go to work. And then fuss that you have to go to Sunday school. Lord forbid at 9.30 in the morning. Oh, 
that early. Oh, my soul. And you want me somehow feel sorry for you. I'm heading towards 72. I get up 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, on Sunday, on Sunday. I don't run a bus route, and I still have to be here. You say, why? I want to be an example. I love coming to church. I love Anchor Baptist Church. I love being here with all of its faults and failures. And I'm telling you, there's been such heartache here. I just thought my heart was going to pop sometimes. But I sit and I look at it. You're doing pretty good, huh? Laughter. New people are coming in and joining. Folks are starting to add to our numbers. Things are being done. Soul winning's picking up. Buses are picking up. Finances are struggling. Uh, and did you get that part? Okay. Listen, you need to give. I just love it. If this is not worth giving your life to, what is? Pray tell. What is worth giving your life to? A job where you mess up too much, they'll fire you in a minute. After making you believe the company can't survive without you being there. You fell for that. And there's so many jobs out there right now, it's pathetic. Anybody has any talent at all, name the price. You can get it. Not me, buddy. God says, time for you to go to school. I will quit Rockwell making 50-some thousand, all health covered, all of it. Dental, brains, I get new brains for my kids for free, just everything. You didn't catch that part, did you? That's not under your health thing, I should say. I left it all because I thought, I want to follow the Lord no matter what. That was a tough decision. But as soon as I made it, it was like, okay, we're good, we're good. I had no idea what I was getting into. But I just knew we were good. But see, it's not because I kept, well, maybe something will happen and we can leave. Maybe there's a different home and I can buy it. Maybe I can go. I wasn't doing that. Perfectly happy, contented, involved where I was at. And God said, but I need you someplace where I need you, not where you want to go, where I need you. That's the way you leave a local church. That's the way you leave. I love church. Church is very important. Paul gave his life for it. Jesus gave his life for it. Called it his bride. He's the head of the body. Then he says, the church. You know what you're doing here tonight? You think you're wasting time. Boy, you're missing all your shows on TV. Right? You ordered pizza and you're supposed to be out of here at least 45 minutes ago. I'll be buying about 45 minutes when this guy's done preaching. You keep going like this. Did my watch stop? That's what you're doing, right? Every time you look around, in my head I'm thinking, I have 15 more minutes. Then you cheat, don't you? Now you're doing this. Right? Now you don't have to turn around. You're cheating. But I can tell by the expression on your face after you see it that you just looked at your watch. You go... Oh. Look at you. Another 15. You can't get this on TV. And when you're hurting real bad, wish somebody just understood. These are just people. These are not angels. They're not robots. They're just people that are saved, trying to live right, trying to figure it out so they can live right. But if I have to do that, I'd rather do it a bunch of people trying to do the same thing. And that's the importance of why I need to be in a local church. Father, thank you for the Bible.